Welcome, welcome to the 14th episode of the Revolutionary Star Season 2 for the year 2021, broadcasting live and direct from Harare, Zimbabwe, to the comfort of wherever you are right now in our global world. Well, today is Sunday, the 1st of August, 2021, and today we are going to be talking about the cool, not cool. Was it a cool? Wasn't it a cool? What was it? Why? How did President Robert Kobra Mugabe get himself caught slipping? And how does this really break down for 2017? What really happened? What really went down? Labyrinth of complicated threads. Uh, but, uh, you know, they have a history. I would say uh, from 2006, from the Goromonzi fiasco, uh, when people like Simba Makoni and others started saying, when they were pushing for succession and they were being told that there is no vacancy, and they were saying, well, if there is no vacancy, we are going to create it. Uh, and they pushed for uh, an extraordinary congress uh, in 2007, uh, and it didn't lead to the outcome they were hoping for. It had been poorly planned. And then we have the 2008 election, and we have Bora Musangu. I mean, <laughs> what caused them to lose the 2008 election was, of course, Bora Musangu. And then it's it, that Bora Musangu uh, was uh, linked to the late uh, uh, retired uh, General Solomon Mujuru and his wife. Uh, uh, when I think, and, and, and we leave this to scholarship to try and uh, unpack uh, 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 properly, but I think when President Mugabe lost the confidence of the late general, and when he, President Mugabe, lost confidence in the late general, things fell apart. He became open for the taking. That what uh, for as long as President Mugabe maintained that relationship he had with Solomon Mujuri throughout his period of reign until 2006. During that period, he, he, he was reasonably secure. But after that period from 2008, but it started, the cracks started widening in 2006. Uh, by 2008, he was now floating. Uh, he had lost confidence in Mjuru. Mjuru had lost confidence in him. And, and, and these guys have came to say, but the chef, we are with you. When they were not with him, because he should have been succeeded by them. And I think that if um, a vice president, uh, then vice president uh, uh, Joyce Mjuru had played her cards well, and she almost did, and she had uh, quite a formidable force from the police and from the central intelligence. Um, 
On any other day, she would have succeeded. But by 2014, going into the Congress, the way they handled the run-up to that Congress uh, with uh, Didima Sumtasa as a security minister uh, uh, was very clumsy. Uh, uh, and, 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 and the military intelligence took over uh, and the stories that they created and fed the system and by the system uh, it would be all the organs including for example the information organs and, and, and I was Minister of Information at the time the, we were actually fed uh, with information that alarmed us genuinely alarmed us that instead of uh, a political succession process, uh, a, a, an assassination was, was underway, including an assassination of other politicians, such as myself. You know, in 2014, some of us were living in fear because we we'd been told that there were some uh, snipers that had come and uh, uh, we were being targeted and so forth. I mean, it was a, it was a bizarre situation. Uh, I know I have a colleague who says to me, uh, you like referring to untold stories. Well, yes, because there are a lot of untold stories. And one of the untold story is about uh, the insecurities that we generated uh, uh, in uh, 2014 uh, uh, going into the Congress. It was just unbelievable, really, really unbelievable. And it's a, it's a pity that some of the people who are involved or were involved uh, are the type that never writes books, but I hope that uh, others who write books uh, will talk to them because much as you might have heard me saying this and that in 2014, I was actually living in fear that there were people who had come from outside the country to assassinate us. How real was the threat? Now, we've had a lot of people, you know, asking us to have a reference track or a reference podcast on just November 2017 for historical purposes. So... After we were doing our research and then we came across an uh, uh, interview done by Jonathan Moyo with uh, TechMag. Uh, please go and check it out. They did that interview with Jonathan Moyo around uh, the 24th to the 25th of July 2021. It's a great interview. Um, as we all know, Jonathan Moyo is a slick back, slick. Uh, he switches. He's a chameleon. So take what he said with a grain of salt however it was a very in-depth conversation and uh, the interviewer was asking hard-hitting questions and was really trying to understand during that time and he was really trying to hold jonathan moyo to uh, jonathan moyo's feet to the fire so we took out a couple of those excerpts and we threw them here together while we're talking about our own ish however we really suggest you go and listen to tech mag t-e-c-h M-A-G, techmag.com. Just Google it up on YouTube. Check them out. Great interview. That was a very great interview. And, you know, a shout out to TechMag. You know what I'm saying? We see you doing your thing. So, why are we saying all of this? Well, 
why we want to talk about this was that let's let's start with november 2017 right we all know president Robert mugabe that's when he got removed but we want to take it back to a few days before around the 20, 24th i think of november when it actually happened right uh Actually, on the 14th of November 2017, that's when the Zimbabwe Defense Forces started gathering around Zimbabwe. Then they seized control of the Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation and a couple of other key areas. We were at the time when this was going on um, in Greendale. So we had the opportunity to actually hear live, I mean, like in real time, what was going on at uh, Chikurubi. Because Chikurubi was one of the spots that got hit as well. Because we're trying to take take over the armory, which was there. A couple of people actually died. Now, during, as we will discuss in this podcast, a lot of people died. But up until now, we don't know how many, uh, the total uh, record of how many uh, mainly intelligence operatives were killed. We're not sure how many. But we will get into that uh, into depth. So... This happened around the 14th of November, right? This is when uh, the Zimbabwe Defense Forces started moving around Zimbabwe and then they started seizing key areas of the city, just locking them down. Uh, there was a tanker. Uh, when I woke up in the morning the next day, there was another tank that was right by Monomotapa Builders in town. You could see it live and direct. Uh, they were everywhere. They they had all the choke points to Harare locked down. We all know Zivara Sekwa and that whole other area. That, that's where a lot of the presidential guards were. Military intelligence was all over that place now the next day that i just explained which was now i think it's the 15th of november if i excuse me on um my records and my dates i may get them a little bit mixed because it's been a couple of years i'm just going off what i remember besides the script notes i know it was around the 15th of november that, that should have been the next day uh a statement was then issued that this wasn't a coup this is the army now that just came up and just said yo this is not a coup and that's when that uh Famous say the statement that uh, the president is safe and we are targeting the people around him. That's now become a moniker here in Zimbabwe. ZDF claimed that it's only targeting the criminal criminal elements that were around President Robert Mugabe, who were responsible for the social economic problems. Now there, uh, according to Jonathan Moyo, it was the top six guys: Kaskwere, Mzembe, Gandawa, Jonathan Moyo. Uh, who else may I have forgotten? A couple of other uh, people as well, politicians, who were then targeted for this, um, uh, what had been clamped on that uh, the ZDF had been doing. Zuma automatically calls uh, Mugabe. Mugabe tells Zuma that, yep, he is under house arrest, but he is fine. Now, all this is going on, right? Emerson Munangagwa has been fired. He's not in the country. He had left he had gone through the Mozambican border, crossed into Mozambique. You know, as, he, as we said before in our watch list, he gandang, it. He knows how to move across the country. So he had crossed into Mozambique. Uh, from Mozambique, he had then gone on to South Africa. He had spent a couple of days or even a week in uh, Mozambique. Then he had crossed into South Africa. So he had already had beef with uh, Grace Mugabe. Right. And she had been behind the machinations of him getting fired from his position as uh, vice president. Right. So a week after he got fired, this is how fast this all happened. He was fired. Right. And then a week later, right after he's been fired, he flees the country. 
before fleeing the country, we need to remind you that before he got fired, he had been poisoned. That's the ice cream thing that happened in Blawayo. And Constantino uh, Chiwenga then airlifted him to South Africa where he then recovered. So we just want to make you understand the house of, um, you know what I'm saying, house of stone or house of thorns, whatever you want to call it, that's been going on. Like this is, you know, the, it was really a drama that was going on right there. So, purging happens on the, the uh, press statement is, is given that no, we are targeting the criminals around uh, President Robert Mugabe. On the 19th of uh, November, that's when ZANU-PF then went ahead and removed Mugabe as the party leader and replaced him with Mnangagwa, right? Uh, they issued a deadline for Mugabe to resign uh, by the 20th of November. Uh, either he was going to resign by himself or he would face impeachment. Mugabe refused to, to resign. So on the 21st of November, a joint session of parliament met for his impeachment. After that session convened, Mugabe sent a letter resigning. He had finally been convinced to resign. Mpoko was supposed to take over and become the acting president, but he wasn't around. So Mnangagwa was then sworn in. It was a bit of a house of cards type of situation because I don't even know if that process was legal. We're going to ask one of our legal analyst who's going to come on one of the podcasts uh, to explain that part so we know the, the 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 machinations that happened right but that's basically how it happened so 24th of november 2017 vice president msm nangagwa is sworn in so how did this all start if you really want to know how this all started we got to go back a little bit before november right uh to maybe around october of 2017 Right, Emerson Mnangagwa and Grace Mugabe had been at loggerheads for a while, and Grace Mugabe had been leading rallies where she had been, you know, condemning and uh, just saying, "I know what you guys are up to, and you're not going to get away with it." But she was mainly the eye that she had was mainly for Mnangagwa. Well, Mnangagwa was uh, President Robert Mugabe's uh, protege and right hand man since before 1980. Right, so he was like Mugabe trusted him through and through, but Grace Mugabe. This is where the army was saying that there were politicians that were in the ear of Grace Mugabe, feeding her BS, right, so that she could tear uh, the party apart and want to become president. Because at the time, there were people who wanted. Well, the Women's League of ZANU PF wanted uh, three vice presidents added to the a third vice president added to the constitution and they wanted Grace Mugabe to become a vice president so it looked like it was a succession a line to of succession whereby when uh Comrade Mugabe died his wife would take over since you'd be the first vice president or some something like that that was pretty much what it is and at the same time when she was doing these rallies this is the same time that uh, Emerson Mnangagwa was poisoned many people thought that the person who had been behind this poisoning was Grace Mugabe because they said that the ice cream came from her farm that was uh, that's in Mazoe that the dairy farm that provided the ice cream she denied this uh, she actually said that he's a small boy who is Mnangagwa so forth whatever whatever I I don't want to kill him he, he doesn't deserve anything he just had a bad stomach or something like that she denied it but why we are mentioning all of this here at the podcast is that there was a lot of tension between these people for a while right uh 4th of october like i told you she was 
at doing uh, different rallies but on the 4th of October she went off script and she attacked Mnangagwa directly right and she knew saying that I know what you're doing I know you're planning to uh, plot a coup d'etat against uh, you know our president and so forth this is where Mugabe first made his mistake he actually you know criticized uh, what's his name President Kumrede Emerson Mnangagwa at that rally, he publicly rebuked him uh, whilst Grace Mugabe was calling him a cool plotter and so forth. So this is around the 4th of October, right? So she, basically, if we're going to look at it, she was winning, right? Army was on a chill pill. Then on the 6th of November, Mnangagwa got fired. Simon Kayamoyo comes up issues out statements that this guy has been deceitful unreliable exhibited traits of disloyalty disrespect and so forth so the minute he gets uh, canned what happens is that grace mugabe's power base became stronger now jonathan moeme denied this like in his interview that he did with tech mag he's denying this and saying there's no way grace mugabe would have become powerful the army would not have allowed it that is bs comrades this guy knew pretty much grace mugabe ran zimbabwe back then we were in zimbabwe so sometimes when you hear somebody doing revisionist history it's it's bs to to hear it first and foremost grace mugabe controlled the police and control the central intelligence organization at the time if you were a zimbabwean who was there during this time mapurisa were every roadblock this is just to show you how bad it was every roadblock they would be trying to get money off of uh, motorists and that money wouldn't go to the police it was actually a cash making scheme whereby you uh, bribes or fines whatever they could get spot fines all that money was going and it was an actual system a cash cash system of sucking money out of citizens that was a grace mugabe type thing that was going on there right she had the country under lock so when jonathan moe and take max says that g40 wasn't running things come on dog that's revisionist history they were running the country right those people that were being talked about jonathan moyo mzembi kasukuere and so forth they were running the country and then in that same interview Jonathan Moyo then goes on to say that Kasukuere was trying to, was actually under attack as the political commissar within ZANU-PF. And then he tries to twist it around and make it look like ZANU-PF had issues with Kasukuere. So how could Kasukuere try and um, make it look like he was running the country when he was actually at his weakest when he was in ZANU-PF? This is what he says verbatim somehow in this interview. We just want to push back in that and say that that is again a BS, comrades. That is BS from Jonathan Moyo when he's saying this. Why? Because... Now, if you were in ZANU-PF at that time, if you were in ZANU-PF at that time, right? Even if you were grassroots or you were at the top, my G40 were assholes. Now, as I said before in previous podcasts, just because you don't get along with people doesn't mean that you don't serve the party. That's very true. But when we say assholes, let's be, let's call a spade a spade. It was a corporatist uh, structure whereby young Turks that had no liberation values or ideology had combined with business people to form what they called themselves as young Turks or the G40. That could have been okay. New blood and everything. But the problem is that a lot of these guys were assholes. Were assholes. They disrespected most of the ZANU-PF uh, principles, protocols. Right? 
there was just blatant disrespect that was always there. Kasukwe may have been the face of it, but there were a lot of G40s, right? And they were embedded within the police force and this uh, intelligence organization. But police was just more like an auxiliary. The intelligence organization is where they were mainly based. And they were scary as fuck. This thing about the army coming in last minute and now coup d'etat and the country was victimized by violence. People forget how scary and violent the central intelligence organization was like you as long as a guy had a card you don't know what he did for all we know kudangariti boy will be a sweeper but if he had that id that showed him as an intelligence operative why and if you heard, no, my boyfriend is a sitting or a parim sitting and this is when you would be a ZANU PF member, ZANU PF MDC or some other shit. So again, Jonathan Moy has a lot of revisionist history that he's saying because these guys were running the country. Mdara was Sina. He was like, he was, let's call it what it is. You, you'd sleep most of the time at rallies. You'd attend, his wife would speak on behalf of him. Come on. We know how this is, man. Right? And she did not have the political argument to do what all of this information was. The information she got at these political rallies so that she could attack Emerson Munangogo must have been coming from somewhere. Think about it, comrades. It must have been coming from somewhere. So again, I suggest you go listen to this, um, audio that was done uh, from the 24th of July to the 25th of July by TechMag when they're interviewing Jonathan Moyer because he does talk about a lot of facts but at the same time some of it is revisionist history that he's doing these guys ran the country of course we'll give him credit that besides he wasn't really into the shenanigans Maybe shenanigans and as he said himself in the interview, he tried to avoid dealing with Zanupiev. He in the interview, again, please go check out the interview. You can see the amount of contempt he had for Zanupiev whilst he was in Zanupiev. He says it himself that ah, when we Zanupiev about war veterans association, a women's league, youth league, main league, ah, you but you don't really deal with those people on a day-to-day basis because they think for themselves. That comrade is what we're trying to explain to you that he's right. He's right. They may have actually been uh, rubbing him the wrong way or they didn't like him, but it's because he was disrespectful. He's, he, this guy is an asshole. When we say asshole, we're not saying with he, he asshole in a bad way. We're saying that he's condescending. G40s were condescending and we had a holier-than-thou mentality within the party. This was well-known. They had a holier-than-thou mentality. And war veterans were looked were, were, were looked down upon. Let's call it as it is. From 1980 up until the 1990s, Mugabe had forgotten about my war veteran. He surrounded himself with people who had nothing to do with the war. So, yes, maybe you can call it is whatever you want to call it, but yes, G40s were assholes and they ran business. So you'd usually have a G40 politician who has my business links, doing major moves. And most of the hustlers were G40s. So the Jinimbis, all these guys, the boys, the toners, all of them, that's all G40s, right? Anybody who had some type of attachment to Hondo, Kanakumgagao, Tanzania, Morogoro, all that other ish, that is what makes up Zanupiev. Maito wanaikewa unge mabaranzi ukumusha. 
Nobody's. 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 So, you can now understand why Jonathan Moyo always had a hard time creating uh, friendships with ZANU-PF members. Because, you get it? I, as a child of the war vet, and having relatives in the war vet, can tell you and attest to this that don't listen to the hype when Jonathan Moyer is talking about, well, ZANU-PF just said thing, people had to be elected and everything. Bad. When we look at the way sometimes other areas, Munaingo Gadzwa, into an area, that's due to G40. When go we are gonna big round hundred thousand from diaspora, you come in, you donate some money to the to, to the party, next thing minute you're running as an MP. This is how the Mzembe Mzembez, all of these guys were making money. All these are rich motherfuckers. Why? Because they used money to propel their political career without any ideological training. One ideological training young Kana one. You see. So we just want to highlight this when we Again, suggest you go listen to his podcast and to the interview on YouTube so that you can balance it out on your own. 24th to the 25th of July, Tech Mag, Jonathan Moyer interview. Anyway, as we were saying, besides the G40 is running the country, Mugabe still uh, trusted. Now, people hate Emerson Munangagwa. And uh, we know that the Zapu element is what Jonathan Moyo said in the interview also hated Emerson Monanga. We get all of that. But there was an element of real guerrilla fighters who had died in the war, who had never benefited anything from the party and were still loyal to the party. There's a word that is usually said. There's a difference between a Kada and a comrade. Right? A Kada is like a G40. Arda Mari, Arda Kushanisa Kadri, Zanu PF, Arda Kwa Naunuvra Business, and Arda Omega Shua with my CID, kana with my police, kana with city council, yaka wayapa company, hapana numbata. That's a card. He joined the party for economic benefit. Then there's a comrade. Comrade, I know how to wait until your turn. Whether or not your turn ever comes, you are a comrade. Saka yoyechi, ingo ziwa kutindozi ripo. That is a comrade. There's a total difference. Now, the comrades never got anything. We have a lot of war veterans who died never having seen or benefited from being in ZANU-PF, right? The G40s were benefiting and they were bringing in a lot of people who are, too, up until now, there are a lot of people who are not really truly ZANU-PF, who are still within the party as we speak, right? That's why a lot of times you'd see members becoming independent or not even involving themselves in ZANU-PF's business, even though their family history is nothing but ZANLA inside. In ZANLA runs deep or Zipa, Zipra or Zapu runs deep with, inside them. So, President Robert Mugabe played, he was a Machiavelli, the prince. He knew how to play sides against each other. We'll call him what he was. He was very good at that. And he had, he managed to always have uh, the main people who, who had been with him in the war. He used to call them his boys. Right? In a few of his peers. Right? But he kept them and he made sure that they owed him something or kept them always uncomfortable. But at the same time, he then surrounded, after he got married to Grace Mugabe, surrounded himself with young people who may not have understood what Zanupif was in, in the first place. Right? So this is where it was. Kazukuere may claim that he, um, he was weak, as what Jonathan Moyo said, but it wasn't about Kazukuere alone. It was what he represented. If before I move on, I just want to stress this to people who don't understand how ZANU-PF works. 
vanu ve G40 vaionera vanu pasi nokuti vanga vane mari if there's anything you're going to get from this podcast or when you listen to the Jonathan Moy just understand mentality ye muna ane mari oye muna anoda kuratidza kuti ne mari ari condescending but asikanzwisi kuti chinu chacho ndechei this is what G40 was so if you saw them having or rubbing against ZANU PF members the wrong ways because mafungiro anga kasiyana. So although Mugabe depended on support from the military to maintain his rule, he had been systematically trying to replace most of these war veterans with younger ZANU PF uh, people from the Grace Mugabe side. Maji 40 aya as we said kana kutotora mwana we mu vet zvaitonetsa kana wanga ari mwana we mu vet wakatoona uchitopinda pane masicha zvakadai soka ah baba this is just how it was within zanubia we are not talking out of our ass so yes you may blame emerson munangagwa jiratan may be claiming that emerson munangagwa was a, a devil and so forth but uh, emerson munangagwa anga aneta it wasn't just Emerson Mnangagwa. I'm sure all these leaders had consistently been hearing complaints because they are the only ones who had been benefiting up because Mdara kept them close. But Hamazao everything. They were suffering. Right? So yes, there was a lot of pushback coming from the war veteran side, the community and all of that. And it was because So why was this? President Robert Mugabe's first error was that he chose to ignore this element within ZANU-PF and listened to his wife and the her cohorts on the other side. Was that correct? Well, uh, we'll leave that for you to decide. So this is the background. Ice cream, house of cards, poison, kuonerana pasi, everything. The nationalists were, were living pretty because usually my nationalist side. Remember when we talked to you in our previous podcast, Kuti, there's a difference between uh, the soldier and the nationalist. The nationalist side of the party were okay. Because my mother is a jambanja. That's why you see even up to now, nobody bothers the nationalist side because these guys had always been moderate. Saka wai kwanza uto uirana nima G40 haya. Kana ukuirana nima uo veteri. Nukuti ba moderates. Avadi is a noise. Right? So, but the other side, do kwa nguni problem. People had actually fought in the war. A lot of people had not been made war veteri, war heroes. Uh, some people, not even provincial heroes, some of them. Some of them had not even got their benefits from Minda. It was just accumulative. It's as if wangawaraswa si chikorobu na President Robert Mugabe. It is what it is. We, it, he is our leader, but we need to... Talk about the truth, not the revisionist history that Jonathan Moyo was saying in this interview. Some of it is revisionist. So, uh, from the 8th to the 12th of November is when all of this happened. Mnangagwa fled to South Africa. Uh, he wrote, a, I think he wrote about two letters, right? During that time, Christopher Mchangwa was there as well. Uh, tried, was also behind the scenes, supported by uh, the war veterans. Uh, General Chiwenga went to a, on an official visit to China where he met the China. No, in the interview, Jonathan Moe then goes on to say that uh, Chiwenga was supposed to get uh, fired and parents Siri was supposed to get, uh, he was supposed to take over as the commander of the defense forces, but that never happened. But then in that same interview, he goes on to say, how could I know what was happening in the security sector? And I wasn't even involved in the security sector. Why is he saying that Chiwenga? He's playing what he thinks. He's playing to the crowd, comrades. This guy was involved in Kupa advice. Sometimes Mugabe listened, sometimes he didn't. 
Zimo zaizi teleraka kuzoona mnangaka got fired kuzoona Chuenga almost got fired It's because he was listening to some of the advice Ana, ana Jonathan Moyo say So you can't still say that it's Jonathan Moyo And then back off and say Aywa but Naisa Ziva Where the intelligence Operative information was coming from Come on Come on comrades You know So That's how the thing played out we can go into other issues. He came back. There's uh, a story about uh, uh, Comrade Chiwenga was supposed to be arrested by uh, the police at the airport. Now people are saying that never happened. Others say it has. The government and the army has never actually acknowledged it. So we are not even going to discuss that because it, the, maybe it is classified. We don't know. But the government and the army, none of them have ever officially given a response to whether or not that happened. Where we can start off is from the 13th of November, when Chuenga called the press conference uh, saying that the military would inter intervene, right? Because of the revolutionary history that was going on and treacherous shenanigans that were going on with the people surrounding the president. This has been twisted. To sound as if Madara I had been doing it for their own, uh, their own benefit as, as, uh, as leaders who are on the chopping block. Yes, to a certain extent, they, that may have been true. But as an insider or a liberation child, I can tell you, there was a lot of disaffection within Zanu PF ground. It was time it wasn't zanu pf was no longer zanu pf back then i don't understand what jonathan moyo says but it was about making money the people who were running the party back then time a g40 were the people who had money those were the ones who called the shots all of this about revolutionary heroes respecting war veterans mgagao tanzania ideological pan-africanism it was nonsense there was nothing like that going on back then nothing maria kuchete Tora Mari United. That is where it was. And the people who benefited them were from Borodeo, Mount Pleasant, Madeo, Deo, Kweze, Kweze, Right? This is just how it was. The disaffection was within. So when you saw Chiwenga saying those things at the press conference, he was not speaking out of his ass. There were people in an element within Zanopiev who supported what they were doing because they knew that it was going to only get worse once Mdara goes. And Amai Grace Mugabe becomes president. Ah, anything to do with Zanu PF as we know it today. Dara was old. This is another thing we need to accept. Comrade Mugabe had become old. He had just become old, comrades. That is what it is. And succession plan had not been done properly. So, is what. Um, Comrade uh, Jonathan Moyo says, formerly comrade, apologies, formerly comrade, he says that uh, there was supposed to be a succession plan. Yeah, there was, but President Mugabe never got around to it. I don't know why. We were not there. But what we do know is that his wife had decided to take that advantage for herself. Look, he makes it sound in the interview, comrades, that Grace Mugabe was going to be president. Yes, he is correct. The army would have never allowed that. But she would have been a kingmaker and appointed whoever the president was going to be. Look, this is 
a Melda Marco type of thing that was happening right in front of Zimbabweans. Everybody knew. That's why MDC even supported what happened. Because everybody knew that Tichaona Moto, if Grace Mugabe or whoever she wants to be president becomes president. And they wanted to make a moderate uh, Segramai as the president. But that one, I think, was just like Muna Atunokwansa Kushandisa. Let's call it as it is. Muna Atunokwansa Kushandisa. As is Unzeri Zuninga Shingo Fire, she is Pinamari, she is Bruga Singapore, and all of that. Why? Why, comrades? Think about this. ZANUPF was not the ZANUPF you think you knew. So when you hear Jonathan Moyo say, ah, ZANUPF is ZANUPF is wrong. Right now, the ZANUPF is going back to the Mugagao declaration. All these other base training camps. We are looking for war veterans now who were not given their just due. We are now vetting them and making sure that they deserve respect and should be given benefits. Why? Because of these same people are not Jonathan Moyo. They never understood that. The only time when you see Jonathan Moyo get really livid or angry is when it's about Gukurawundi. Should Gukraundi be discussed? Yes, and we are going to discuss Gukraundi in a podcast separate from this one. But that's the only time you see Jonathan Moyo becoming passionate. For a man who says he doesn't know a lot about ZANU-PF, he seems to know a lot, comrades. It's, it's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. You know? How can a man say he does not know anything about intelligence, but he can tell you everything that happened, including approximately how many intelligence operatives died? Iangari, Minister of Information. Same interview. Then he goes around and he switches it back and says, ah, but he, listen, he now is just the Minister of Information. I got to put all misinformation in military intelligence. He bashes the intelligence services, but at the same time claims to know the intelligence services. He's a slick politician. He's a political analyst. He feeds you the information you want to hear. Saka revision is history with former comrade Jonathan Moyo is a lot. But he, this is why Mugabe liked him. He joined Zanupio because he was a spin master. I He's an artistic man. Saka, this is why he, he, but those flowery treacherous ways, this man is a cashier. Julius Caesar. This is who he is. He can influence the way you think. Right? Very much so. Right. So we just had to touch on this podcast that we heard a lot of people say, uh, just do a, a cool, not cool, uh, quick one for record purposes. So we thought we'd discuss it with you guys. Of course, there were a lot of collateral damage that were done. May all those who lost their lives during 2017 rest in peace. Uh, a lot of people actually were beaten up, you know. I know a few people at ZBC who were slapped, females. Uh, again, it's unfortunate that it did happen. Uh, MDC got played. But MDC also knew the danger that it was if Grace Mugabe had continued with the plan that she had. You will not hear this now because MDC is going through its own fights. So you won't get to hear this side. But MDC was on board with what was going on. Right? Zapu element had been on board for a while, then Wagazunita. So as you can tell, yeah. Now, let's talk about another thing. Uh, we are going to get deeper into that one when we discuss uh, Gukra Udi. But uh, Jonathan Moyo claims that Comrade Emerson Munangwaga is a Gukra Wundist. Uh, 
and uh, he was hated by a lot of the Zapu element, uh, which is why nobody wanted Emerson Mnangagwa to be president. Comrades, don't believe this man. He's a revisionist spin master. This guy was part of the Cholocho Declaration. He's a politician. In politics, if you know politics, any minute. In Mozo, it are friends some time ago. This guy who used to work with Eberson Munangagwa, they wanted a succession plan themselves. So it's funny to hear him now change and make it sound as if he never got along with uh, Comrade Emerson Munangagwa at all. Now, let's go deeper into this thing of what Emerson Munangagwa was not liked. Yes, he wasn't liked, but it was for a different reason. He wasn't liked because he was the enforcer for whatever Mudara used to send him to do. Emerson Munangagwa was the protege of Comrade Robert Gabriel Mugabe, right? So... E.D. was the enforcer. If you saw E.D. at your door, you know with Atuman Amdara and he's there to enforce. And he did a good job of it. He was good at his job. When it came to enforcement and getting each done, he was good at his job. But the buck, of course, we can talk about what happened exactly with but the buck still has to stop at uh, Mugabe's door. Mugabe never wanted to get his hands dirty. Let's call a spade a spade. Now, what people don't understand about uh, Emerson Mnangago and why the civil service, the bureaucracy, especially from the 1980s, 1990s, why they liked this guy was that even when he was coming to do the hangman's job of either Kuku Zingabasa, Kanaguti Kukuita will give a warning or whatever, my tons, we see but you know, they got along with him. That's why he was respected. Of course, yes, I would not lie. Most of the people who understood ED was from the Zandla side. Right, or had relatives who were Zandla or had been war vets and so forth. Kanauti, they had a relationship with him in Zambia when he was in university and so forth. However, an enforcer is an enforcer, right? Doesn't mean he's not a caring person and so forth. So yes, he, it wasn't the fact that I, he was hated. He was feared because if you saw him or you saw certain other individuals like him, was out what Tumwa Namdara, as in Bob. This only started to wane. When after the elections of 2008, 2013, when the rise of Grace Mugabe began, right? Amazon was the one who made sure that Robert Mugabe remained in power 2008, comrades. Why are we forgetting about these little things? We are not saying this guy is perfect. No, far from it. We are not claiming that this man is perfect. However, let's call history as it is. Let's not spin it so that it suits a narrative of saying, hey, freedom. And you know how in that same interview, Jonathan Moyer now claims to say that, no, we need freedom. We need freedom. BS. We call out BS. Call it as it is. You worked with this man for a long time. Cholocho declaration. You decided to go towards the Gukra Hundi stuff so that you could try and attack him and cut him out from any political thing. He tried as much as possible to separate ED from President Robert Mugabe. The way in his interview, which is why we are telling you, go to Take Mac, go to Take Mac. In the interview, he actually states that, no, we tried to warn uh, Bob, but he wouldn't listen. We. This guy influenced Grace Mugabe. Grace Mugabe was never like this, comrades. And then she got an ego and the more power she got and the more the sycophants were surrounding her in her ear telling her what she wanted to hear. She would then popota kunamdar. 
this is how the, it was a toxic environment right a very toxic environment and it was uh, inflated by the fact that marianga iripo pese pese mwese anga ni mari pai pai sayo kana anga uri tsuro uri inzano pf ka waisatombo vaona vanhu vaya vaingo vaona time my election that's all the time you see them and they would donate maybe 500,000 US and then when I want spin a majeta. That was ZANU PF back then. Now, if you were not a ZANU PF member and you were a regular citizen, we got a roadblock. And I can attest, hit us up on our Twitter and tell us if we're not lying here. Every roadblock, why gumo gumo mari? As my police at that time had been told, could it have a quota system? Why to hold on to let's say 10,000 US per police camp, you know, guy, and that money would go direct to the coffers of the G40s led by Grace Mugabe. But Grace Mugabe, I can this wall. Let's call it as it is. This woman was used. Aga furirwa, and she got into a safe. Mujuru was also furirwa. Was President Emerson Mnangagwa politically astute and wanted the power? Yes, who didn't want power? But Jonathan Moyo fails to mention that he also wanted power. And he had a secret agenda, which was the rise of Matebelele. This man still had good, close relationships, Nana Darengwa and so forth. You can tell in the interview how passionate he is about certain things, right? He is a Mtuakazi underneath all of that uh, speed master, right? And this Gukura Wundu thing that he is running with right now, he is using it to fuel an agenda of separatist notions within Zimbabwe. Don't fall for the trap, comrades. Don't fall for the crack. Call it out. Call out BS. We give a salute to Take Mag because... They are just asking the questions and getting the answers. They did not take a side in the interview, but they're trying to understand the person. But the way they ask the questions, the hypocrisy that came out of this man is something that we are going to discuss. So watch us for the watch list. We are going to bring a watch list about this man sooner or later because he is going to be a problem. And we are going to, when we talk about Jonathan Moyer, we're going to talk about his book, Excel Gate. And we will go deep into it. We can tell you right now from having read the book when we're doing this research for this podcast, his fingerprints are nowhere. He seems to know a lot about system and PF intelligence. But at the same time, he distanced himself and says, politician. How can you exist in both the worlds, comrade? Former comrade. How can you do that, Mr. Moyo? He's a spin master. Any communicator who listens to how this man talks can tell right away that this guy is good at his job, which is why President Robert Gabriel Mugabe liked him. That's why he liked him. He miscalculated. That's all it is. All that smart, all that chakuti. Every period of his time, Moyo has always made a blunder when it comes to actually shooting his shot. Cholocho declaration, Agarasiswa. 2017, Agarasiswa. Right? 2000 referendum pa aga pinda bilivisa Robert Mugabe kutitichia wina referendum aga rasisa zanu piye foot. Iye o foot aida the war veterans at the time wasa wani late. This guy is a, a perennial loser when it comes to actually shooting your shot. Right? Besides that, yes, he's good at what he's doing. He's a very smart person. We are not dismissing the fact that this community is smart. But underneath all that smart is a person who does not finish off what he starts and at the end of the time is now a bitter man very bitter because he miscalculated that's why you can tell Kasukuere the way he's acting is different from Moyo 
Kazukwere is humble. He's trying to come back into Zanu PF somehow. Moyo is embittered. At Zogera to default settings, like wherever he was, he was never Zanu to begin. But he was an intelligent, smart person who was assimilated into the party and then played both sides. He tried the Mnangagwa side first, then he went and switched to the G40 side. The G40 side, when he switched there, it was the time when um, Comrade Mugabe was now becoming old. You'd sleep most of the time, so you'd listen to those people who were around him. Right? So that's how, there you have it. This is a podcast. We had to do some historical ba- background so that you don't get it twisted. We, it's too much revisionist history happening over here when it comes to 2017. How can most of the... <sighs> it's frustrating to try and uh, ch- change a narrative that is being spun. Most of the people who were involved are war veterans. Comrades. <laughs> These are people who fought in the Chimurenga war. Chunuchanga chaenda. People forget. This is how short and myopic Zimbabwe has become. People forgot how it was life under G40 and Grace Mugabe. People have already forgot. But here the revolutionary star, the revolution will never be televised. And we will continue reminding you because as we said, okay, our name, Kome Super Cabral. Coming live and direct from my and wherever you are, Roger out. Ten minutes into this, we're supposed to, to quickly move from the pre pre call, uh, during call, and then the after call period. Uh, very interesting. But, but there are some, uh, but there are some things uh, 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 before you, le- you leave. I, I just want to uh, mention something very important about the pre period. This period that uh, you are covering, uh, as you know. Because it 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 it, it, it had uh, a background to it. It was not supposed to end up with a government where Munangaga was the president, Chiwenga vice president, and uh, Mohadi uh, the other vice president. Uh, as part of the plan to have a broad-based sort of uh, a coup uh, Mugabe transition movement, there were some serious negotiations that involved the MDC, that involved Pangirai, and uh, on, on the one hand, and uh, uh, Dumiso Dabengwa on the other hand. In fact, given the diversity and multiplicity of forces that supported the coup or that were essential to be mobilized to support the coup, if things had gone up to or according to the plan, uh, Zimbabwe was supposed to have a government where Nangagwa uh, 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 as president would be president deputized by Morgan Swangirai and Dumiso Tabengwa it was a transitional government so to say that's what that was the deal and 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 I think it's unfortunate that people uh, like to speculate and then don't talk about things and uh, and what 
killed it is that Tumiso Tabengwa made a very clear de- 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 demands. Uh, they used um, the, the Air Force, uh, the, the current Air Force commander, Elson uh, Moyo. Elson Moyo. He, he was the go between the coup makers and, and Dumiso Tabengwa. And Dumiso Tabengwa made the demands uh, about Bukuraundi. Resolu- uh, the, uh, a final resolution uh, for truth and justice, and then the Matebele and Zambez water project, and then devolution. Mnangawa rejected Dumiso Tabengwa's demands on Gugraundi, on the Matebele and Zambez water project, and on devolution. And then Dumiso pulled out of the deal. And, and, and so Dumiso was not willing to get into the government without specific commitments on these three issues. Mnangaga was not willing to commit on those three issues and the deal collapsed. And Tsangirai became collateral damage because at that stage, they didn't see him as having... Um, uh, any clout uh, 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 to make a demand that they would uh, somehow be troubled with. Uh, but Dumiso had clear three demands. That's what killed the thing. And, 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 you know, I consider it quite tragic that we have a society that really doesn't face issues uh the way they are or the way they were to be honest you know uh, mohadi was uh, a hanger on a hanger on he was not a critical player although he was a minister of uh, uh, state security before the coup he was he, he was inconsequential uh, uh but dumiso was consequential and 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 Morgan Tsangirai bringing uh, the 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 um, uh, uh, MDC uh, uh, as it were, uh, and one of the reasons why some of us who are aware of how things were being handled inside Zanu PF, uh, how people didn't want. I mean, if you wanted to be enemy number one, talk about Bukuraundi. Uh, talk about devolution and uh, in those days uh, when uh, Dumiso was working on the Matebele and uh, Zambes water project it was seen in tribal terms and all that some of us uh, uh, are quite unsettled and disturbed by the fact that now you see people like uh, Virginia Mapiza running around uh, uh, creating phony organizations in Matebele land uh, uh, with uh, the Jenny Williams of this world to try and pretend that they are tackling Gugraundi uh, uh, and uh, issues of uh, devolution and so forth. It's preposterous because we know Mnangagwa rejected Dumiso Davengwa's demands. And if he had not rejected, if, if Mnangagwa was committed 
to dealing with Gukuraundi, committed to dealing with devolution, committed to dealing with the Matabele and Zambezi water project. Tumiso would have been vice president of Zimbabwe on the 24th of November 2017. And, and, and the Shanghai demands are also, we didn't see anything materialize. What, what happened and what would have caused the collapse there since you didn't have any demand? <laughs>